Ladies and gentlemen and football fanatics of the beautiful game, welcome to another exhilarating episode of Bruise and Banter FC. Today, we're diving deep into the riveting world of the English Premier League as we dissect the thrilling events of Match Week 12. And today, we have a special treat for you. We're delving into the rich histories of two footballing powerhouses, Chelsea and Manchester City, as we unveil carefully curated combined all-time 11. Grab Ooh. your favorite brew, settle into your favorite chair, and get ready for a roller coaster of emotions. We are your hosts, Redbeard and Targo. Let the banter begin and raise a toast to the beautiful game. Cheers. Cheers, bud. What's going on, man? What a week of football it was. What a week of football, controversy, emotions, probably one of the best games of the year in the Premier League, man. Who, if not the best, you're not if wrong. If not the best. Yes. What a weekend it was. And what are you going to be drinking today to help yourself enjoy these highlights? So I just tasted it there during our intro, and this is... A really good beer, I must say. It's a Hot Valley Brewing. Yeah. Stash House, Pineapple Stash House Hazy IPA. It's juice. Alcoholic juice. <laughs> yeah, it's too bad you have such a small beer there. It is. It is only a 12-ouncer. Oh, sad day. If only you had another. Well, <laughs> if only. Today, I have Deschutes Brewing Jubilee Ale. A festive winter ale. I believe you've it had is, that one before, haven't I have, you? And I absolutely love it, and I get it every year the first time I see it. And mmm, one of those holiday specials. Gotta it have is. It. I, I'm not gonna lie. I love winter ales because they're not super heavy, but they're full of flavor, and they're a little on the darker side. So, yeah, definitely would drink again. Obviously, because I've had this one before. And this is what my like thirtieth time drinking it. So I'm gonna give this Hot Valley eight and a half. I'm gonna give it eight point eight out of ten. Man, this was good. Eight point eight. I'll give Jubilee a solid eight point seven since I've had that beer before, and it, I will say it does taste better than Jubilee. So can't rank it higher because <laughs> tastes better. All right, Targo. Let's get into it. Yeah, we're starting off with a thriller game too, man. <laughs> Wolves and Tottenham. Yeah, man. This was so you picked you actually picked Wolves to win, which I was surprised you did. I picked a draw. So I'll I'll tell you my reasoning. It it's injuries and suspensions and well, yeah. they're playing away from home. And that's really the reason why I picked Wolves. And so I, I for those same reasons picked a draw, but it was close. It, took it was some late heroics here by Wolves. It ended two one to Wolves. Spurs, man, they got off quick, quick with that song goal. 
And then in Brent, second half, stoppage time. Brent, Brennan Johnson scored. Or Brennan Johnson, yeah. sorry, yes, because it was Kulisevsky did that back heel. To Pedro, to Pedro Poro. Poro. Yeah. Poro threw the, what, what a put the cross heel, in. by the way. What a back heel. Holy crap. Eh, it was all right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> when you do them all the time, like myself, man, eh, it's all right. Yeah. Well, you don't see them very often in the professional game. No, you don't. But, I mean, so this was an interesting game. Like you said, Tottenham, they had their suspensions, their injuries. That defense was interesting, to say the least. Eric Dyer, (laughs) or not Ben Chill, our Davies back there as center backs. Mm. Yeah, it's an interesting pairing for them. It was, and you could tell they were missing that. Not only the speed, but also, I guess, the, the ability to read the game from Mickey Vandeven. Yeah. Because yeah. definitely the way they play, they rely on him for that. And uh, with all of his faults, Romero does the same thing very well. You know, he, he might be very aggressive, borderline violent at times. Borderline. But, but he, you know, he reads the game very well, puts himself in the right positions. So we'll give him that. And then, of course, you have Emerson Royale as the left back. Yeah, that doesn't help either. And then uh, it was Hoiberg coming in for James Madison. Completely different player. Yeah, It is, man. They missed Madison's ball control, the way he dictates play. They missed that a lot in this game. And honestly, like watching it, Tottenham came out flying. They got their goal. Honestly, I feel like it it was Wolves after that. Uh-huh. They were just destroying that right-hand side. Nelson Semedo would, would have acres of space down there. <laughs> and Vicario having to come up with saves. It was, yeah, I was wondering when the goal would come. And it took a while. But it finally came from uh, with Pablo Sarabia. Is that is yes. It Pablo? Yes. What a goal, too, man. Oh, man. What a first touch as well. Absolutely magical. Controls it straight down to his feet. Smashes it past Vicario at his near post. Well, he doesn't control it straight down. He The ball gets fired at him, for one. But he, like, has a cushion enough touch where it kind of just bounces straight up for him for him to then volley it. Yeah, that's what I meant. But, yeah, that was in the 91st minute. And then Pablo Sarabia, man, would end up being a super sub in this game because he gets the assist <laughs> for the winning goal. In the, was it 97 97th minute, the last kick of the game, man. Wild. Yeah. How many of those have we had this season, too? Quite a few. But yeah, I mean, Sarabia would play through ball, find, uh, is it Mario Lamina? Yep. He had uh, a fantastic game, too. Yeah, Mario he Lamina. did. Uh, wonderful, quick free kick, catch Spurs off guard. And then the crowd went absolutely wild after this goal, man. Kerry O'Neill went wild. Yeah, he did. Ran all the way down the sideline. But Sarabia, what a ball. But you could tell at this point in the match how plagued with injuries Spurs were because their backline just looked exhausted. Tired legs, tired minds, make mistakes. Yep. And it took until, you know, second half stoppage time for those mistakes to really show. Dead. But that loss, man, that sucks for Tottenham. They are now sitting in fourth place. Yeah. 
beginning of this week, sitting top of the table, undefeated in the league. By the time Sunday rolls around, two losses and in fourth place. <laughs> yeah, that lost to Chelsea, and now I lost to Wolves. And then who they got next? They got Villa next yeah. after the international break. I think it's Villa and then City, if I'm not mistaken. It is City, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, like I said, they're finally playing some top-notch teams. Granted, at the time, I didn't think Chelsea would would have been in that category. But after this weekend, man, I think I might have to put them up there if they keep playing like this. And Wolves? I mean, they're no slouches. No, they're sitting in 12th place. They got this win. Gary O'Neill's showing the Premier League what a quality coach he is. Yeah, it's fantastic to watch. All right, moving on. We had Manchester United hosting Luton. Yeah, speaking of teams that, uh, you know, what happens when you have a fantastic coach or not at this point? <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of curious. What's the story here? Is it the coach? I mean, but I mean, let, I guess let's look at it. Over the past five Premier League games, they're one of the best teams. They have the most points out of their last five games than any other Four team. Four wins out of five games isn't yeah. bad. I mean, no. as much as you want to shit on them, I mean, we can talk about that last loss to Manchester City. The loss then to Newcastle in the Carabao Cup, and then the loss to Copenhagen. It's not necessarily the results. In the Champions League. It's the way that they're playing with these results, right? Like, you would say, probably look down the list of their Premier League games this season, and the games that they've actually won, I would say the vast majority of them, they probably didn't deserve to win. That's where the issue is. Manchester United, this club, should be blowing teams out the water with how bad some of these teams are towards the bottom of the table. So here's, here's where I'll argue against that. So yes, they're not playing well. This is a team that really doesn't have an identity with the way they play versus, you know, the teams above them, city, Liverpool, Arsenal, even Villa. You, you know what you're going to get with them. You know how they're going to play with Manchester United. You really don't know what you're going to, what you're going to get with them. But to their credit, I mean, they're in sixth place right now. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm not. They I deserve I a lot of credit. You're for saying how the way they play, play, but I mean, they're getting three points. So, I mean, I know as Manchester United, you expect them to play a certain type of football. But at this point, they're getting three points. Yeah. So, I mean, it's it's hard to argue in the league. If you want to look elsewhere, obviously, they got dumped out of the Carabao Cup. Last got, place in Champions I'm, League. They're last place currently in their Champions League group. So, I mean, there's definitely judgments there. Yeah. And so it's it's just interesting, man. Like, you look at Rasmus Hoyland, five goals in the Champions League, still nothing in the Premier League. Yeah, and after this game, out injured as well. And so you think, I do think they'll get a run of games, potentially. I agree. I agree. I, I mean, like well. you said, Ten Hogs doing some interesting stuff, whether you agree with it or not. Well, I mean, it's the grand, but it's interesting. Grand, grand, yeah, grand scheme of things, you look at how many injuries they've been plagued with this season as well. I mean, he has to try some things because he doesn't have his first 11. They're available for selection. So, I mean, that could be said about every team, though. I mean, Man City are missing Kevin De Bruyne. Arsenal's missing Martin Odegaard. Tottenham are now missing a couple players. Chelsea yeah. have been missing in Cuckoo all season. I mean, so I, don't, I don't really want to hear the injury it's Excuse. it's not that they have injuries it's just the sheer amount of injuries 
I'm not okay, well, using who's injured? Lissandro Martinez as yeah. probably their one starter. Casemiro. Uh, I mean, Rafael Varane's been hurt most of the season. Erwan Basak has been hurt most of the season. Luke Shaw is out. I would say Luke Shaw is another one, but I mean, Rafael Varane's been sitting on the bench the past couple of weeks, man. Yeah, no, I I understand it. Uh, but they've had to start Johnny he, he Evans to and play Johnny Evans. And exactly. so when he was asked about that, he said for tactical reasons. So it doesn't sound like it's for injury reasons. <laughs> it's Ten Hog making some Again, interesting choices. Interesting choices. <laughs> but that is where I'm going to give him a little bit of leeway. That's all I'm saying. Well, then you have to give every team leeway. Man City are missing Kevin De Bruyne, so they should be further in first place. Yeah, but it's Manchester City. You look at their squad and their squad depth. It's 10 times better than any other team around the world. Arsenal, you know, you got Martin Odegaard, Gabriel Jesus, Thomas Partey, Urian Timber all out. Still winning games. They might not look convincing, but scorelines would suggest so. I mean, arguably, Aston Villa are missing two of their best players in Tyrone yeah. Mings and Emmy Wendia. So, I mean, every team has injuries. So I hate hearing that excuse that about injuries, man. Every, far, every team has Far them. from me defending Manchester United. I'm just going to. It sounds like you are, up. though. <laughs> I said I'm giving Eric Ten Hag some leeway as far as his questionable adjustments. That's all. Having a World Cup winner, a Champions League winner sitting on the bench is definitely questionable. But let's get into the game. Manchester United, they won this one 1-0. One you know, this was, I would say, a game of missed opportunities for Manchester United. I can think of three golden opportunities between Hoyland, <laughs> Carnacho, and Rashford that they did not take. The first one, Hoyland, a, a bit unlucky. Yeah, amazing save by Kaminsky. Yeah. In the first half. And also in the first half, Garnacho got put through one-on-one and just, I don't know what he did, man. What he needed to do was touch, shot. And Mm -hmm. said he took too many touches, gave time for Kaminsky to come out, cut down the angle, he saves it. And then Rashford did touch and shoot, and he kicks it right at the goalie (laughs) in the second half. But they got the one through kind of an unlikely source, Victor Lindelof. It was kind of the second play off of a corner balls kind of bouncing around the middle he's the first one to pounce on it one nil but let me ask you a question what would the pressure have been like on ten hog if they would have not won this game yeah i don't even want to fathom what the pressure would have been like because this is luton town who at at old trafford should never stand a chance at home at kenworth road okay maybe they we still shouldn't what, stand a chance. Let's be honest. We like saw what we're they talking, did. We, we're Liverpool talking about Manchester year. United, though, and I know we kind of talk about them in their past glory, but this is still one of the biggest clubs in the world that has spent a lot of money, and you should be easily wiping the floor with the likes of Luton at home and away. I mean, let's be honest. That's what yeah. should be happening. Yeah, no, I agree. I just, you know, got to give Luton some credit after they drew Liverpool last weekend. So. That was a poor Liverpool performance, yeah. It was. It was. Well, Luton, after that result, man, they're sitting in the relegation zone now on 18 and 18th place on six points. Man United up to sixth with 21 points. I, again, looking at the teams below them, I don't understand how yeah, Manchester Brighton, United Newcastle, are in sixth place. I told you, they've been doing all right in the Premier yeah. League. They've, I mean, their last loss was to that City team. And then, the again, 
It's been Carabao Cup, Champions League, where they've been less than impressive, but they're getting the three points in the league, which is why it's it's hard to shit on them. I mean, they're yeah. they're not doing they're not playing well, like you say. Their style of play isn't the best, but they're getting points. Yeah, and I mean, even with five losses, <laughs> and even with five losses, they're still only seven points out of first. Like it's like it's not terrible where they're at. And there's a long season. We've only played twelve matches. Got what is that? Twenty six more to go. A lot of time for them to catch seven points on the rest of the table. So yes, there is. So there's not too much to worry yet. I mean, statistic wise, their Ten Hog hasn't been doing terrible. No, off of his first fifty games in charge of Man United. I will say the biggest concern for Eric Ten Hog, if I am him, is the amount of goals they've scored because they've only allowed, only scored thirteen goals this season, which is uh, pretty much worse than every team minus. 16th down so Fulham Bournemouth Luton Town Sheffield United and Burnley I mean that's been obvious like like I mentioned Hoyland has zero goals in the Premier yep. League Rashford well, I mean, looks like a shadow of himself from last season really and then who else is scoring goals Bruno Anthony's not scoring well you think of Cartnacho all of, hasn't scored. all of the wingers and strikers they have Rashford Anthony Martial isn't scoring yeah. I mean <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, Scott McTominay is their top goal scorer right now. It's why he's getting a run in the first team. <laughs> it is. All right, well, let's move on to uh, a team also threatened by relegation along there with Luton. We had Arsenal hosting Burnley at the Emirates. Yes. And, you know, for all of you who want to clown on Arsenal, we we're talking about Burnley. So, <laughs> yes. <laughs> So this one ended 3-1 to Arsenal. I will say it was a good performance by Arsenal overall. Yeah, yeah overall. I would say it was great. Um, I'd say one one little blip there where Burnley scores. Other than that, pretty much walk in the park. Easy business for them. Yeah, they scored first through Trossard, kind of putting his body on the line there, hitting the post as he got the ball in. <laughs> You mentioned Burnley, they would equalize in second half off a deflected shot. Lovely run, though, by who was it? Kuliosho? Yeah. I think it was. Out muscling Tamayasu. Deflected shot goes past Raya. And then a couple corner kicks. Gabriel, or not Gabriel, William Saliba. (laughs) William Saliba. And then a beautiful scissor kick from Zinchenko to make it three. Oh, what? Yes, Sensei. Oh. (laughs) Karate Kid showing up. Yeah, arms up and all. Shit, that thing went right into the upper V. I thought it was going over, and it just dipped I right was under curious how he kept that down, too, man. But, that was yeah. an interesting one. Yeah, best Karate Kid impression I've seen in the Premier League in a while. But, yeah, great goal by Zinchenko. Yep, and then just before the end of the game, the 83rd minute, Fabio Vieira would be shown a red card. Studs up. High. Yeah. Didn't really uh, catch him, I would yeah. say, but... Studs were up. It was high. Studs were up. Dangerous play. One could call it violent conduct. I mean, when I first saw it, it didn't look like he even made any contact. But watching the replay from a few different angles, he definitely scraped in front of his knee. So, yeah, definitely deserved for him. Um, I would say probably, you know, youthful exuberance at that point. And you mentioned Arsenal really never got at first gear. I would say they did. 
once that equalizer went in, then you could see them kind of pick it up a bit. But overall, it was cruise control. Was it, I guess wasn't I your use. you know the the arsenal that you know we've seen in the last season and a half. So as far as offensively, otherwise defensively, I mean they're they got the best defense in the Premier League. So I will take that any day of the week. So yeah, they're currently sitting in third place on twenty seven points. Or as Burnley are now bottom of the table, <laughs> basement dwellers. I mean, you look at their last five games, they're all losses, man. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, Sheffield United in their last two games have picked up as many points as Burnley has all season. Yeah. <laughs> You're not wrong. I see it there. Yeah. <laughs> Winning a draw. But so, yeah, Burnley, man, what's. <sighs> I don't know, man. I don't know how to fix this team because Vincent Company wants to play how he wants to play, and we've they been can't score goals. All I mean, they've they've really struggled to score goals, and they are conceding goals. Yeah, they Last have the game, least right. amount of goals for in nine, and they got thirty goals against, which is second most in the Premier League. So second most behind yeah Sheffield, who have thirty one. Yeah, they're in trouble. They're they're in big trouble. Yeah, they're in big trouble. And the more games they lose in a row, the less confidence they're going to have and the harder it is to be able to get out of that hole. So it should be interesting. It doesn't look like they're getting out of that hole, if I'm being honest. I'll be honest with you. I don't think so either. Not anytime soon. But I will say, Leandro Trossard's goal was the thousandth goal at Emirates Stadium. Do you know who scored the first? Who? Gabriel or Gilberto Silva. Yeah, how oh, I do remember that. Yeah, number five hundred, the gaffer Who? himself, Mikel Arteta. Oh, I did see that on some Instagram posts. There you go. Some fun facts that only an Arsenal fan will enjoy, <laughs> <laughs> or anyone that follows ESPN FC on Instagram. So. There you go. Well, let's move on to a different club in London. We had Crystal Palace hosting Everton. I thought Palace would win this. You picked a draw. Boy, were we both wrong, man. Mm-hmm. Everton coming away with this one. Everton have been on fire lately, man. Good for them. They have. This was a good game. This one ended 3-2. And, it, yeah, they're continuing their hot form, man. Sean Dyche is uh, getting it going. Everton, they took the lead after just 52 seconds. Vitali Mikalenko would uh, get Everton going, man. You'd meet Jack Harrison's floated ball to the back post. I will say Jack Harrison coming into this team has been fantastic for Everton. Yeah, I agree. He's definitely taking his game to the next level. It seems like they were relying on Dwight McNeil on that left side to really create for Everton. That was kind of their main threat, which, I mean, that makes them easy to stifle if that's your only threat. But now they got Jack Harrison down that right side, man, and proving to be a good signing. Yes. And then Crystal Palace would strike back. Abrichi Eze doing what he does best, man. Ghosting past defenders into the box, drawing, winning, and scoring a PK in the fifth minute. Yeah, man, he's back to his best, and it's so exciting to see him back from injury because he caused some havoc in this match. He did, he did. So just uh, 20 minutes later, 
I thought this would have been a PK, if I'm being honest with you, man. Abriciese again, <laughs> ghosting past the defender, which I got to say, man, if you guys want to see a sweet move, go watch that one. He just turns this defender inside out. It was beautiful. He doesn't get the PK, though. He gets booked for diving. Yeah, and I mean, VAR would check it, and they said it wasn't clear and obvious, but I mean, there was two views on it where it looks like he his back leg gets taken out by Braithwaite. I would say it was his front one. His toe almost gets hit, too. And so I thought it was a foul. I thought for sure, oh, another PK. But no. Nope. Yeah, you could definitely see it clearly either way on the replay. Everton, they would get their second. Mikalenko would see his volley hit the post in the 49th minute, only for it to fall to an open decore for the easiest of tap-ins. Yeah, that was the simplest of tap-ins. <laughs> decore, he looked good in this game. Yeah, remember, quoted it before, sometimes maybe good, sometimes maybe shit. But when he's good, man, looks like a world beater. Well, he's been good here for, I would say, a hot minute. He's been playing much better the past few games, as well as Everton as a whole. So maybe coincidence? I I don't know. Decora plays well. Everton play well. Palace, they would level the match after, honestly... (laughs) It goes to show you that these kinds of mistakes happen even at the highest level of professional football it was basically a ball over the top tarkovsky pickford they don't talk to each other they both leave it for each other and edson edward great control to trap it but yeah. then just slots at home but yeah i don't know tarkovsky ducks pickford yeah. stops i i yeah i don't understand it happens at the highest level man yes, poor does. communication yeah <laughs> Everton, they would get their winner in the 86. Decoure would play a wonderful ball. Wonderful ball. To Adrisa Ganagay, who slots at home past Johnstone. Massive win for Everton. Seven points in three games. Fantastic. Nobody would have expected them to get seven points out of those three games. And, I mean, they've won three, drawn one, and lost one in their last five. I mean, that, that kind of form puts most teams towards the top of the table. Yeah, and you look at the teams they beat. So they beat Crystal Palace, and then before that was a draw against Everton. They they beat West Ham, and then their loss before that was to Liverpool, which, I mean, no shame, losing to Liverpool at Anfield. Yeah, and the Merseyside Derby, yeah. But it was but close. Then before, yeah, and then before that, they did have an embarrassing one a couple weeks before that against Luton. But they looks like they've turned it around since that uh, Merseyside Derby. Yeah. I mean, they're 10 points off the bottom and eight points off the relegation zone. So keep picking up points like this. They'll be safe. Easy. Yeah, I don't think it'll be like last year where last day heroics have to be had to stay yeah, up I have in the a Premier feeling League. that with probably six or seven games left, the bottom three will probably be decided. Or yeah, February, they might be two. decided. Yeah. <laughs> The way it's going. All right. Well, let's talk about one of those teams that is in that relegation fight. We had Bournemouth hosting Newcastle. Yeah. Surprise result of the week, I think, for me, is Bournemouth, man. They won 2-0. Yeah. And, you know, if before looking at the team sheet, I would say 100%. Even looking at the team sheet, I would say, yeah, probably Newcastle should have won this game. But no. 
I mean, Newcastle plagued by injuries. They started the match with their bench having not started a single Premier League game, and half of well, seven of them had never hadn't even had an appearance this season. So, lots of injuries for them, but they still should have had the quality to put away Bournemouth. So I alluded to this, I think, in the last episode about them having to go to Dortmund and then go down to the south coast to Bournemouth, and that that traveling time, you know, staying in hotels, it starts to wear on you, and then obviously it doesn't help. They had injuries. Um, Bruno Guimaraes was suspended for this game. But that traveling in Champions League, I, I almost wanted to put a draw. I picked Newcastle to win this, which I got wrong, obviously, but a draw also would have been wrong. But I suspected Bournemouth would get something from this game. I really did, just with that traveling and the way they've been performing, especially as we saw in Dortmund. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, they looked so tired midweek and then having to go back home and then straight to the South Coast. It's a lot of traveling. Especially with their style of play. They they like to really press, high energy. A lot of running. Yeah. But it would be Bournemouth, man. They came out with that high press and that high energy, and they put Newcastle under pressure right away. Pope was having to make saves left and right. I think the best chance for Newcastle came from Longstaff. Neto pulled off a fantastic save. But the two goals, Dominic Solanke, man. Yeah, Remember man. him? I do. Rolling back the years, man. So I think I saw something. He's got... Uh, let me look how many goals he has. I want to say it was six or seven goals already this season. Out, so of he's got, their, out of their 10. So he's got six goals out of their 12 games. Out of their 11 goals total. So more than half of their goals as a team. But that's how many goals he scored in total last season. He's wow. already matched his tally from last season. That's what I wanted to yeah, get at. Holy cow. But yeah, he would get the first goal. Again, high pressing. The ball kind of gets deflected behind the back line of Newcastle's. You could see Fabian Schar trying to get there. Wasn't going to. Solanke pounces on it. Just blasts it past Nick Pope. Second goal came off a corner. Kind of a funky, improvised finish. Like It almost looked like he was playing hacky sack with the ball. Really the ball was kind did. of behind him, and he like <laughs> hacky sacked it. <laughs> it was an interesting one, but it, he, he made it work, man, and got it into the goal. Newcastle, they looked tired and just lethargic not not good yeah and to make things go from bad to worst you can now add miggy almiron to that lengthy injury list he so. did come off you're not wrong and Fab, again fabian Shar, like i said he was hobbling around most he of was the hobbling yeah so did you see kieran trippier go up to the fans and chat with them and i did he was, he was basically telling them have you seen our injuries and kind of stuff like that what'd you think of that so, yeah, I mean, the fans were calling out Newcastle after the match. And, I mean, let's be honest. Rightfully so. Rightfully so. They traveled all the way to the south coast to watch this pitiful Newcastle performance by their standards. But I'll tell you what, I love it, man. Do you? you? Know, the the Jordies are ridiculous. They should kind of get after the team. But at the same time, man, you got to take into account the traveling. It's one. It's their captain standing up for the team. Yes, I understand injuries is kind of an excuse, 
But I mean, if you're getting you're saying a lot of excuses that for me as a fan, I would not be okay with. I, I yeah, I just I I love it when players go and you know interact with the fans. But I mean, it just shows you the standards of the club now at at Newcastle. So that is really why I love it. So, so I I don't mind him talking to the fans, but I didn't like his answers. Like if I'm a Newcastle fan. I would want to see the things that necessarily aren't required when you have all these injuries, like heart. Every player can show heart and hustle and desire, which you did not see in that game. You know, whether that's down to Eddie Howe and his rotation or the way they're training or, you know, whatever. That then it comes down to the management. But I'd rather have a player say, yeah, sorry, we didn't try our hardest. We'll do better next time. Thank you for your support. I'd rather him say something like that versus, oh, well, have you seen our injuries? Like, I don't give a shit. Yeah. And, you know, I'll give Kieran Trippier some some credit. If those are the players that are our backups, then apparently Newcastle has lots of work to do, and that's what I would be saying. Yeah. Like, okay, I I get you have the injuries, but you still have to have a a squad available. You know, you, you want your backups to be right there, ready to go, chomping at the bit to get into that starting lineup especially a lot of those younger players, and you want to see them perform well. Yeah, and you want like-for-like substitutions where the quality doesn't drop as much as it did for this match. But, I mean, with Trippier, for me, a lot of it is the emotions are high for both fans and players, especially after a loss like this. Probably not the best time to go confront your fans. But I do love to see it. it. It doesn't happen very often, so... Well, okay. Let's move on to Aston Villa hosting Fulham. Villa at home pretty much know how it's going to go. One way and one way only. And that's what it was. 3-1 to Villa. Also, yeah, 13th straight. Or unbeaten in 13 at home now. I'm not sure if it's 13 wins or just 13 straight at home. But I think I saw something like it was 18 all competitions for Villa at home. They yeah. made that place into a fortress. And they came out flying in this one, man. Thinking they had a handball in the sixth minute, only for the ref to go to the monitor, and it hit the players square in the face. Not the hand. I mean, if you're watching... His Castania, arm was up, though. Like, it, yeah, it was hard I, even on the initially, replay. Like, I initially, Yeah, I initially thought it hit him in the arm, but you, when you're looking at Castagna argue, you can literally you can see. see the ball print. Right there on his face. And he's like, he's like he, did you see this? You see this? And he wasn't worried at all. Like, he's like, don't worry, guys. This isn't yeah. going to be a PK. It hit me square in the face. I just, I laughed seeing literally the ball print on his eye, essentially. VAR got one right, though. Good job. <laughs> they did. And wonderful work from VAR to send Simon Hooper over to the monitor. Weird. <laughs> Finally, right? God. Well, too bad Wolves haven't uh, had that happen to them the past prior weeks. Yeah, I, I, VAR. It's some might call it schizophrenic. <laughs> Something like that. Villa, though, they would get their lead through an Anthony Robinson OG, man. Yuri Tillmans puts a beautiful ball into the box. Unfortunately, it comes off Robinson. It's the goal. Nothing really he can do about it, so we can't really fault him for that one. Uh, he had to get something on it, because I think he had Ollie Watkins or 
some Aston Villa player right behind him. Yeah. John McGinn, though, man, he would make it 2-0 in the 42nd with a lovely strike from outside the box into the bottom corner. And how about that move to go past Paulinha, man? Ooh, just dummies him. Paulinha goes the... the other way, pretty much falls over. Ugh. Puts One it right the into the side. best defensive net. midfielders in the world. John McGinn sitting him down. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Villa, they'd make it 3-0 in the 64th with a goal from their main talisman, Ollie Watkins. Yeah, man. McGinn with some wonderful turn to play in Leon Bailey for a cross. Anthony Robinson, man, with a comical slip on the Dude, ball. It looked like he stepped on the ball and just fell over it to put Villa on the break, man. I, I feel so bad for the guy. He ended the game well, but some of his mistakes in this match. A couple just, howlers. He's, yeah. He is prone to that, as us U.S. fans will have noticed. Attest to, yeah. But hey, the drought is over. For Raul Jimenez, he gets his first goal in 18 months. Have it be all an easy tap-in, late consolation goal in the 70th minute. Yeah, yeah. Anthony Robinson making up for his previous two mistakes, getting back behind the defense to square it to him. But I'll be honest with you, Jimenez probably should have had another one in the 48th minute, but he was denied by literally Emmy Martinez's fingertips to push it off the post. Unlucky for him. I always kind of root for Raul Jimenez. I know the poor guy's been through a lot. Yeah, that, I mean, we saw was... firsthand the blow that he took to the head. Skull fracture, and then... Yeah. Yeah. Hasn't been the same Obviously time. seen him play for Mexico. So that one ended for Villa, man. Villa sitting pretty. They are in fifth place. Top and goal Fulham. scorers in the Premier League, man. Fast and Villa. No, no, they're not. They were going into that Man City game. I they were it. after that game, and then Man yes. City scored four. So, yes. so then, no, no, they're not the top. Well, then, scored. second. All right, it's, for them, that's pretty damn good either way. They are second. I'll give you that. But on the other man and man, Fulham, one win in their last five. Yeah, man. sitting in sixteenth, four points out of fifteen. They're not looking very good, man. And they're struggling to score goals. They're missing Mr. Alexander Mitrovic. Big time. And Big his time. 20 goals that he scored or whatever last season. Yeah, I mean, it's a big miss, man. When you get that many goals from a striker, how are you going to replace him, especially for a club of their stature? You're not going to be able to spend all Raul of that Raul who got his first in 18 months. <laughs> <sighs> Uh, I told you, I think at the beginning of the season, man, losing Mitrovic is going to hurt. Detrimental. All right, well, let's move on. We had Brighton hosting Sheffield United at the Amex. This one would end 1-1. Oh, Brighton, oh, Brighton, oh, Brighton. Early this season, really making us dream that they could make a Champions League place with their play, and now winless in five. Only one loss out of those five, and then four draws, but... It's, it's the but teams yeah. they're drawing against, man. Bad. Interesting lineup from Brighton. They made six changes from the team that beat Ajax midweek. 
Um, Noticeable absences include Lewis Dunk and Evan Ferguson to uh, injury. But Cairo Matoma, Jao Pedro starting on the bench, and Sufati starting, and Buenanote starting. Yeah, it was it was an interesting lineup. That's for sure. They did get off to a fast start in the sixth minute and found themselves in the lead as Simon Adingra would slot it past Fodderingham after, honestly, one of one of the goals of the weekend, I will say. He goes past two players, does a 1-2 with, uh, who was it that he does a 1-2 with? Buenanote. Buenanote, which, honestly, Buenanote, it doesn't even look like he means to, you know, pass it the way he does off the inside of his foot behind him. But it worked. It was amazing. It worked. Beautiful finish by Adingra. 1-0 to Brighton. Holy crap, what a goal it was. And honestly, they should have had more. They had missed a few good chances, especially (laughs) Asufati, man. He had a golden, golden opportunity. Squanders it. Several. Several. Especially in that first half. In the second half, man, he had a couple. Buenonote had one. Jao Pedro had one. They just squandering chances left and right. They did, and they would come to regret those missed chances. In the second half, Mohamed Dahoud, man. Red card. Straight red, stamping on Osborne's ankle. Do you think it should have been a red? I do. Yeah. I do. It was similar to the Marcus Rashford one in the Champions League where he's trying to kind of shield the ball. But Dahoud was looking at the player, whereas Rashford, I give him a little bit more leeway because he wasn't even looking at the player. He just goes to step to shield it. Yeah, and Rashford was also turning while he did that, right? So it's just unlucky that he made contact. Dahoud, you can tell he tries to step over the ball to shield it in a similar way, but he's looking where he's stepping. Stomp straight down, yeah. And he gets, oh, it was nasty, yeah, high, studs. For me, it was a red. Was it a red for you? 100%, yeah. That was it was bad. As soon as you see it, you're like, why didn't the ref immediately blow his whistle? I don't understand it. Yeah, and then five minutes later, man, Sheffield will get their equalizer. Bogle was sending a low cross and it was turned in by Webster into his uh own, his net. own net. Yeah. I mean it was great build up play moving the ball from left to right, very dangerous cross in, but I mean it would have been a goal either way as Cameron Archer, oh, Archer literally right standing there. Him. And as the ball gets hit by Webster, you see Archer swing his foot like, hey, I'm going to finish this anyway. <laughs> so, yeah, it was going in no matter what. And I will say, Sheffield, I would say, had probably one good chance where they could actually nick this one and won it. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, same story that's plagued them all season. Poor finishing. But Sheffield, man, sitting on five points. Not bottom, still in the relegation zone, but yeah. not bottom. But they went from one to five points in two games. Gives them some hope. It does give them hope. And then Brighton, man, they're on a little bit of a skid here. They're sitting in eighth on 19 points. Yeah, winless in five, four draws and a loss. That's a lot of points dropped, especially for a team of their stature. Yes. Well, especially for how they've been playing since last season. Yeah. But, you know, if they stay there for the rest of the season, I will be spot on with where they finish. So, <laughs> Okay. All right, well, let's move to London. Back. Yeah, go ahead. We'll move to <laughs> London, man. We had West Ham hosting Nottingham Forest. 
This one would end 3-2 for West Ham. This was a great game as well. It was a really great game. <laughs> Especially about the last 20 minutes or so. Yeah. Oh, it was fun. It was fun. So West Ham would find themselves in the lead after just three minutes, man. I don't know what Dominguez was doing. He, he tries so to play like a crossfield ball and hits his own player in the ass. Straight yeah. up hits him in the ass. Right in the ass. Drops straight to Paqueta, who just takes it forward a couple of touches and then fires it home. Fantastic shot by Paqueta, yeah. but yeah, it wasn't terrible easy giveaway. There, I mean, terrible Comical. mistake. Comical. Uh, it almost it looked funny. like the player it hit tried to get out of the way as well once he realized he was standing in front of the ball. That was kind of. Well, I mean, yeah, across. he's not even facing. Obviously, if it hits yeah. him in the ass. I mean, <laughs> but it yeah. was funny. I, yeah, miscommunication. Whatever it was, it was hilarious. Uh, I want ye would have a good chance, man. He had a fantastic header, but what a save from Ariola! What a save! Oh, just sprawling. reaching back, claws the ball out. Oh, but Forrest would get third leveler after I gotta say, it's uh, it was Sangare, man, had a fantastic tackle and then plays a fantastic ball to um, I think Morgan it was Gibbs White, Morgan Gibbs White, who takes yeah. a shot. Ariola saves it, saves it, and then I want ye. They're just kind of bundling across. <laughs> yeah, just stumbling, bumbling, takes a touch, falls over, and the ball goes in the net. Strikers fit. <laughs> it was, it was, and then Forrest took the lead. Man, second half, they're right back. Ola Aina or something like that. Yep. Fantastic run down the right side, cuts it back. Alanga first time finish goal takes off his jersey goes to celebrate with the forest fans dude what a, <laughs> what a player he has turned into at forest compared to when he was at united oh united wish they had him right now. yeah they do a forward playing a forward player scoring <laughs> goals what united doesn't know what that looks and, like right and now. creating assists as well it's weird yeah but yeah he's fantastic right now West Ham, though, would get the equalizer in the 65th through Jared Bowen, man, off a corner. James Dude, he's Ward one of the shortest shortest players on the pitch and somehow wins a header on a corner right in front of the net. I Fantastic don't header, too, man. Yeah, he deflects it. Header. And, yeah. How it fell to him, no idea, but good for him. Deja vu, man. West Ham, they get their third goal. James Ward-Prowse corner. This time it finds Thomas Suchek. <laughs> it was just three minutes from time. Honestly, I'm going to tell you why I think West Ham won this game. Because Forrest didn't play bad. I will, I will say Forrest looked shaky at the beginning and at the end of the game. But they had good bits of football in between in there. And honestly, I played well. Yeah, but I, I would think... say there was a good, good part of this game where I thought they were actually going to win. Yeah. I think the difference for me was was the quality of players that West Ham has. They have difference makers on that team. You know, you look at Jared Bowen, who scored. You think of Mohamed Kudis, James Ward-Prowse, Lucas Paqueta. Those types of players are game-changing players, and that is why I think they won this game. Yeah, I mean, James Ward-Prowse assisting the last two goals. Jared Bowen scoring one of those goals. Paqueta got one. Paqueta got one. Kudis looked good all game. So he did. He looked very dangerous. He's. I love watching Kudis make. He always looks to go forward. He rarely. He, I saw him go back maybe a couple times. 
but he always looks to go forward and get at that defender, which I love. I love it when wingers do that. That's why I love Jeremy Doku right now, because he looks to get after those defenders. And I love Jeremy Doku because he does the same move every time, and it works. A little every... shimmy, man. He does that little, little shimmy. And then he goes to the right. It's like Macklemore. Shimmy, 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 shimmy to the right. Shimmy, shimmy. Anyways. Okay. okay. <laughs> well, let's move on to Liverpool, who hosted Brentford at Anfield. <laughs> Liverpool at Anfield, man, this season I've been pretty much unstoppable. <laughs> no difference this game. Yeah, I think they average winning by two or more goals every single match this season at Anfield. So They won 3-0. Yeah. <laughs> it was a pretty comfortable win, too. Like, I will say, Brentford had a couple opportunities, but not... Not a whole lot. And Bomo got through one-on-one versus Allison. Allison saved it. And then there was like a corner in the second half that Allison had to save. Other than that, it was mainly just kind of chaotic series right in their box, but no, didn't end up in shots. You know what I mean? Yeah. But other other than a few moments of that, I mean, this was all, all Liverpool. 100%. It was easy for them. I mean, they had two goals taken back early to offside yeah the first one Nunez was offsides by literal like I want to say millimeters but it was probably like two centimeters okay the edge of his boot Mo Salah man is he top one or two best players in the Premier League right now right now in the Premier League I would say number one yeah easy there's not many better, is there? He gets two goals in this game. First one came in the 39th. Lovely build-up play. Trent plays a beautiful ball to Darwin Nunez, who lays it off for Mo Salah. He curls it past the goalie. 1-0. Yeah, I mean, once he gets behind the defense and gets the ball, do you expect anything less? That's how good of a player he is. You always back him to score from that position. Had a possible red card check in this one. After uh, Endo went in hard on a tackle, it was for both players. They both went in sliding. I will say Endo's studs were up. He didn't really catch the guy. Um, I watched it a couple of times, and it honestly it looked more like his studs were down. It was he got to the ball, and I just thought it was a good fifty-fifty tackle. If I'll be honest with you. I, I, I will say he got the ball, but his studs were up, man. If you look at his right foot, his, they were up. That's okay. what I was looking at. Studs were up. But it's almost one of those things where you see two players sliding towards the ball. It's almost instinctive to put your feet up to try to protect yourself. Right? You're not going to you put know, your toes down. Because you know you're both colliding, and so you want... You'd rather hurt him than him hurt you. <laughs> yeah, especially when you're earning thousands of pounds in wages a week. You Hundreds of play. thousands. Yeah. If you're Mo Salah. Speaking of Mo Salah, man, he got a second, 62nd minute, left alone, all at the back post. Fantastic header. Fantastic was, ball to him. That was from, the I think, easiest header he'll ever score in his entire career. He doesn't even leave the ground. As you think, man. I mean, you saw the header he missed against Luton. I think I, this I one know. was harder. Yes and no. I think it was harder because he was further away from the goal, had a tighter angle. But he also didn't move. He he stood there, and it just looked effortless to put it in the net. And, I mean, I don't know, man. Brefford's goalie didn't even try for it. 
He probably could have saved it if he dove, let's be honest. But <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know how we missed that one last week, this week. I, I, he made it look like the easiest goal he'll ever score. How about that? I also like how Anfield has cameras that show that ball stayed in play. Oh, but moving on, <laughs> Liverpool get their third. Tiogo Jota, man, beautiful finish in the 74th from outside the box. Oh, you got me. You got me. <laughs> Just yes, it was, it was a beautiful ball and a beautiful finish. Yes. Uh Oh, you got me crying, man. That was good. You like how I slipped that in there? Yeah. I was not expecting that whatsoever. I also will say, I'll give credit where credit is due, because I like to shit on this player. <laughs> Virgil van Dyke looks a little bit like his old self. Yeah, he's yet to be dribbled past this season. Only player left in the Premier League. The other That's aspects not... of that defense, though. Mm. A little suspect. Mm, no, Andrew Robertson, Trent, you know, can get caught. Conote still trying to figure out that whole Trent moving into midfield, covering that space, but not punished in this game. No. Like you said, Brentford didn't threaten very much. They had maybe one or two chances. That was about it. Well, let's get to the big one, man. God, what a game Of the was. season oh. so far, I would say. Woo! I'm glad I watched this as a neutral because if I was a city or a Chelsea fan, the I would have emotions. Been, I would not have a beard. I would have pulled it out. I, all my clothes would have been everywhere, throwing them at things, celebrating. This game was absolutely nuts. It was. But before we, you know, compliment these teams on how they played. So this game ended 4-4 in a draw, but I just want to talk about the first penalty kick and call because last episode we had talked about Anthony Taylor taking control of this game after being relegated to the championship and more controversy surrounds it. I I don't think it's as much controversy. For example, this game would have ended 1-0 to that goal. Then I could see a little bit more controversy, but... So I'm I'm gonna play devil, devil's advocate a little bit here. I okay. can see why it was given. Personally, personally, I would have let it go and probably not called a foul. But I'm gonna tell you why I think it was given. Again, playing devil's advocate here. So you see Kukurea and Holland. They both are grabbing each other, right? Mm-hmm. Holland gets past Kukurea, and then he you see him grab him from behind. As the ball is coming in. And so I can't shit on Anthony Taylor too much. Because obviously he's watching the ball. And so he doesn't see Holland and Kukurea both grabbing each other. He sees when the ball starts to come in. Kukurea grabbing him from behind. And so he gives a foul. And so I, I, I guess that's where you would rely on your VAR or your linesman. The linesman should have a clear view of that. He yeah. could tell the ref, hey, they were grappling each other. That didn't happen. And so I, I can't give Anthony Taylor too much fault for that call because he sees Kukurea grabbing Holland from behind. Holland outmuscles him, outpaces him, gets goal side. Kukurea has to do something because he's in trouble at that point. And so that's early Holland, yeah. Because it's early in Holland, yeah. The guy's a beast in the box, knows how to find the ball. And so I can't yeah. fault Kuk- the Anthony Taylor too bad. 
from that standpoint. Having yeah. said that, like I said, having the hindsight of video replay and seeing them both grappling, I probably wouldn't have given it. Yeah, for me, it, I'm not, I'm not damning Anthony Taylor at all, right? As a ref, that's what VAR is supposed to do is aid you in making decisions that you may or may not have seen from different angles. Ultimately, that's what VAR is for. What he saw, yes, I probably would have given a penalty too. However, VAR didn't have him go look at the monitor, didn't have him do anything. Again, it's just more controversy in games that he's involved in. But it's not a clear and obvious error because, I mean, he's grabbing Holland from behind, pulling him down. But both players are grappling. Both players are pulling on each other. Even when Kukurea was grappling him, he still had a hand on Kukurea. I just, for me, it's soft. And I think it's very harsh. And I don't think Kukurea deserved a yellow at all. I don't think he deserved a yellow, no. But, yeah, again, it's just controversial circumstances surrounding Manchester City and Anthony Taylor once again. Other than that, this game was absolutely fantastic. I just want to say that. I just want to get that out of the way before we talk about how good this game actually was. It was, man. I'll I'll talk about Chelsea first, because Raheem Sterling and Cole Palmer had a chip on their shoulder. This is probably the best game I've ever seen Raheem Sterling play. Like, he made Kyle Walker look like an average defender. As a Chelsea player, yes. As a Yes, as a Chelsea player, definitely. But he made Kyle Walker look average in this match. Like, that was the most fun I've seen between two players, and both of them had smiles on their faces the whole match. It was fantastic. Yeah. So that after that PK that Holland takes, wins and takes, it's 1-0. Chelsea would get the equalizer four minutes later off a corner kick. Tiago Silva, man, the old man of Chelsea, getting Wait, on the end of a corner. Th- is he thirty-eight or thirty-nine now? Either oh, way, man. he's he's on clo- he's closer to forty than he is early thirties. I will say that. But what a header at the near post it he was! Thirty-nine, yeah, thirty-nine. Okay, but yeah, what a header it was at the near post. Flicks it to the far post, bounces in. It's fantastic. It was. And then Chelsea, man, they were putting that high press on the city, making them turn the ball over. And Cole Palmer intercepts the ball, feeds it down the line for Reese James, who cut inside to find Raheem Sterling to put the ball past Ederson for the lead in the 37th minute. Chelsea were up 2-1, man. Yeah. I'll be honest with you, Chelsea, when they don't score this season, just look frustrated and unorganized, but once they score, they are one of the most entertaining teams I've seen in the Premier League this season. They're fantastic. I do think uh, Josko Gavardiol had a pretty big mistake in this one. You can tell it's a center back playing a fullback's role. Didn't quite get his body right. The ball kind of bounces off of him. Falls for Reese James. Mm-hmm. So a little bit of a mistake there. And then both teams, man, would just continue to press. Holland and Foden were both superbly stopped by Sanchez. I will say, Phil Foden has one of the best first touches in the game, man. 100%. It's Some of these cross balls that he just kills, stops, dead in their tracks. Uh, it's like he's got glue on his boots, Oh, man. it's and It's magical. Most people don't realize how hard that is. 
a lot of people, you know, here, especially here in the United States, they'll see a quarterback throw a football, you know, 40, 50 yards, put it right there for a receiver to catch. I don't think they understand how that's the same amount of difficulty, just getting that ball just to die on your foot. Just stop. It's, and he makes it look so easy. Oh, effortless. I think, I think that's why people don't think that, because he makes it look so easy. Like, oh, that doesn't look that difficult, <laughs> but it is. Yeah, it is very difficult. Let's meet up. I'll play a ball to you like that. Let's see how far the ball goes away from you. Yeah. yeah. It's insane. City would get their equalizer just before the half. Bernardo Silva would get the would get behind the Chelsea defense, putting the cross. That would find Akanji. It was kind of a second playoff of a corner. They play a short corner. Bernardo Silva plays it in. Akanji do with acres, acres of space. Terrible yeah. defending off that. Terrible. 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 City would take the lead two minutes into the second half. They came out flying. Oh, chip on their shoulders. Foden would find Alvarez down the right, who would play a cross ball for Erling Holland to bundle it in with his nuts. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. And then the fact that VAR checked this for a handball baffles me. Oh, it doesn't even take come close back. to his hand until the ball's in the net. It's about to cross the line, and it might hit, like, the back of his arm. But at that point, he's, like, stopping the goal. I don't know. Stupid. I'm glad glad nothing came of it. But, yeah, I was a little yeah. worried there. And Vera Rich, I'm like, dude, I got, that's a goal. I, I thought it was comical that they even checked that. That's all. I just loved how after the game, though, he says, I've never scored a goal with my balls before. <laughs> Erling Holland said that. And that's why we love him, folks. Yeah, it was funny. Brutally honest. Chelsea would get the leveler in the 67th. Connor Gallagher find himself in a lot of space, man. No one coming out to press him. He has a shot parried by Ederson. Jackson beats the offside trap, puts it away. We're tied. And what a game Connor Gallagher had in this one as well. He was... Like, you, where do you want him to play midfield? He's there, and he is consistent every single game. Quite a few Chelsea players, 10 out of 10, man. You think yeah. Connor Gallagher, Reese James, look how good he did against Jeremy Doku. Yeah. I know even Kukurea gave away that penalty, but he also looked fantastic against fantastic. Phil Foden. DeSassi as well. Um, I would probably say no for Nico Jackson. He did miss some good opportunities. But you think uh, of Cole Palmer... Kaysedo, probably not, but everybody Kaysedo else. Kaysedo yeah. gave the ball a couple, gave yeah. the ball away a couple times, yeah. But everybody else, yeah, pretty close to ten across the board. City though, they would get the lead man, none other through their guy who always comes in clutch. Rodri has a <laughs> shot, takes a heavy deflection, goes past Sanchez. Oh, oh, I was so unlike. I was feeling for Chelsea on this one because I was like, this game deserves to end in a draw. And City does what City does, and they score out of nothing. But this deflection, man, this ball was going to the... I think Sanchez I believe, would have saved it. I think so, too. And then the deflection goes all the way across the net, hits into the side netting, and I just felt so bad for Chelsea. Yeah, Chelsea, man, with their backs against the ball, they throw, throw on another striker, Armando Broja. And he... I loved it, man. His move. He gets the ball in the box, fakes the shot, cuts it back onto his right foot. Ruben Diaz comes sliding in, 
cleans I'm, out his left foot. I'm pretty sure. Out. I'm pretty sure Ruben Diaz was already sliding before he even faked the shot. Because he he came out of nowhere, but he was already on the ground and slid maybe ten yards. It was a wet <laughs> a wet evening out. there at Stanford Bridge, so yeah, I'm not surprised. <laughs> Just sliding along forever. <laughs> PK Cole Palmer, the the oh. former Man City player, the young twenty year old yes. man. Yes, yes, so cool and collective under pressure, and during this, you know. Balls of Argu- steel, dude. This Balls argument that steel. was happening between the Anthony Taylor and the City players and the Chelsea players it was like a little brawl. You just see Cole Palmer with the ball 15 yards away, just standing there waiting. Cool, calm, and collective customer, this guy. Yeah, yeah. Beautiful. I mean, he, he scores the PK, coolly tucks it away. Ederson gets the right way, wasn't even close to it. But, I mean, what an ending. What a hell of a match, man. 4-4. 4-4. Deserve draw. Some tremendous individual performances. And this, if I'm a Chelsea fan, you're looking Promising. at this and you're like, okay, this is the new standard. It has to be the new standard for them. Cannot be we'll below see- this for the rest of the season. We'll see if they can keep it up. I do think this Chelsea team played better against... An attacking-sided team. Play to, yeah, they also play to their opposition. Um, and teams that they have trouble with teams that sit back and try to absorb pressure. They have to break them down because they yeah. cannot finish their opportunities. Yeah. Weird. But yeah, they so look we, good right now, man. They Their next couple games, they got Newcastle and Brighton and then Manchester United. Yeah. So that'll be with, fun. With the way that Newcastle and Brighton are playing, could be I an can, opportunity to seize on that. We'll see. Got an international break first. Newcastle can still get healthy before their next match. So, so yeah, Chelsea, they sit in 10th on 16 points. Man City t- stay first, 28 points. But Liverpool and, and Arsenal right on their heels, just a point behind. Yeah. And speaking of tough matches coming up, City play Liverpool and Tottenham for the they next do. two matches. They do. So. They host Liverpool and then they host Tottenham. And I'm just going to throw it out there, Premier League. How Villa. in God's... How in God's name do you put a Liverpool and City match at 12.30 British Standard Time? How? It's the premier game of the weekend, and you put it as the early game on a Saturday. I'm just saying. You don't want to wake up at 4.30 to watch it? No. No, I don't. <laughs> I will, but I don't want to. Okay? Well, it's come the, over to my place, Saturday. man. I'll record it. We can wake up at 7, just not look at our phone. This is Saturday <laughs> after Thanksgiving, man. Oh, we all know full. that we're just going to be fat and happy and want to sleep. Okay? I don't want to wake up at 4.30 in the morning. Anyways. All right. And speaking of Chelsea and Manchester City and the wonderful game that they did have, we wanted to delve deep into the archives and come up with an all-time combined 11 Ooh, for two squads that have probably spent more money in the 20th century than, well, some countries have. Uh, <laughs> so, Targo... Let's go with some honorable mentions first, because I know there's a lot of players that we could put on this list, but only 11 are going to make it. So, yeah, I think the ones I had the hardest time with was the right back position, man. Cesar Espelicueta, Pablo Zabaleta, those two right backs. I did not fit them into my squad. You think of a goalkeeper, Thibaut Courtois. Yeah, Ederson. 
Claude McAlealy was another one I had a hard time Ooh. not fitting in. He was yeah. prime defensive midfield man for that Chelsea team under Jose Mourinho. And then I hate to say it, I'm sorry, I did not put Sergio Aguero into my lineup. What? I did not. How do you not put Sergio Aguero on there? Oh, he. Oh I'll no! Tell you, I'll give you my explanation when I get to the oh, player no. that okay. I did not that I switched okay. him with. Well, I also am gonna have some for you as well. That probably are, you're gonna have the same reaction. So, Michael Essien didn't put him on there. Yeah, can uh, see that. Riyad Mahrez. Nah, could have made it. No, Conte. Arian Arian Robin. Oh, his prime days were at Bayern, not at Chelsea, but he was yeah. fun. Gianfranco Zola. Okay, yeah, throwing it back. Yeah. Fernandinho. Okay. Yeah. Not uh, Claude status, but still good. Not quite. Carlos Tevez. Eh, Ed Dzeko. Should not even one be mentioned in this at all. For one player who shouldn't you be put, mentioned. You put Ed Dzeko as an honorable mention? Get the fuck out of here, dude. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, he's not an honorable mention. He no, gets nowhere I close to this. Anyways, nowhere close. That played for both squads, Sean Wright Phillips. Still not a great. Uh, and then my controversial ones, I'll end with it. Peter Check, Frank Lampard. Fuck, didn't, man. Didn't no make it into Frank my 11. Lampard? I'll tell you why when we get to it, but no Frank okay, Lampard. Just give me your top 10. Just blaze okay. through it. Let me tell you where you're wrong, and then I'll do mine. All right. Ederson is my goalkeeper. Oh, that's I played dumb. Four, 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 two. Ederson, because, well, more trophies. More consistent. Right back. False. Probably the same as yours. Kyle Walker. Okay. Center backs. Vincent Company, John Terry. Duh. Okay. Easy. Left back, Ashley. Cashley Cole. Our defense is exactly the same, so. Yeah. <laughs> center mid. So I did four, four, two. My center mid, yeah, yeah, Torre. Kevin De Bruyne. That is why Frank Lampard missed out. Put him on the left. He's on the left. Put him on the left. Eden Hazard. No. Arguably one of the best players in Chelsea history and the most exciting player in Chelsea history. Not better than Frank Lampard. I'm sorry. Mm -mm. Uh, Right wing, I, I couldn't pick between the two Silvas, whether it's Bernardo or David Silva. They're both it's amazing. David. 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 It's David. He's Spanish, so. I said David. And then two strikers, Didier Drogba, duh, and Sergio Aguero, duh. So, you have to leave at least one questionable player off of this list because there are so many good ones. I can't believe the one you left off, though, was Frank Lampard, man. Maybe it's the, a buy. I don't know. Arguably one of the best midfielders in Premier League history. Yeah, he is. Better than Yaya so Toure. No. Yeah. No. How many no. goals Yaya Toure score? It's not, not about as many how many as goals Frank you score, sir. How many trophies does Frank Lampard have versus Yaya Torre? Pretty yes, sure Yaya Torre has more. But yes. I don't know. That would, I would actually fight you on that one. I don't think he does. Okay. At well, Man City versus Frank Lampard at Chelsea? We'll see. I, I will look it up. But I, I couldn't put him over Kevin De Bruyne. I like Yaya Torre better as far as the way he played and how dominant he was. Mm-mm. Maybe Frank call Lampard, it a bias man. over Frank Lampard. That is a huge bias over Frank Lampard. All right. Well, let me give you mine. 
All right. So I did a uh, four three three, which again is why I cannot fit Sergio Aguero in. Play him on the left. I could <laughs> honestly, I might change it. Don't tempt me. <laughs> so my goalkeeper is Petr Cech because he was the most dominating goalkeeper I think probably ever. Hmm. I don't know about ever, but he was very good. Obviously, we're talking at Chelsea, not Arsenal. Yes, because at this Chelsea, is Chelsea and Manchester City combined 11. Yes, but I mean, at Chelsea, he was, for me, one of the best goalkeepers ever. Yeah, 100%. He is definitely in the top two best goalkeepers of all time in the Premier League. And Ederson isn't, so that's where you're wrong. My defense, <laughs> I have Kyle Walker at right back, Vincent Company, John Terry as center backs. And as you mentioned, Cashley Cole oh, from left back. Same defense. Same Midfield, defense. it gets a little different, but it's honestly not too different. Because I also have Yaya Torre, Kevin mm-hmm. Bruyne, mm-hmm. but then I fit in the man Frank Lampard. You have to have Frank Lampard in that you midfield, man. You have to have Sergio Aguero. You have to. Fine, I'll switch it out. I'll change <laughs> no, my position. Too late. I can't switch it out either. Too late. So I have my right winger as David Silva and Hazard as a left winger, Didier Drogba as my striker. But if you want, I can change it to a 4-4-2, <laughs> take out N Hazard and put in Sergio Aguero. Because I rate no. David Silva that highly. The guy was a magician. I loved I watching too. him play. I do too. If you love football, you love watching you loved watching David Silva play. Yes, 100%. And it was such a shame that he had to have a knee injury and retire. Otherwise, we'd be seeing him at Sociedad this season and all of the wonderful Their play that they yeah. Yes. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I'll be honest with you. I think at the end of the day, Ederson will be a better goalkeeper than Petr Cech. He's not a better he, shot stopper. I didn't say that. Don't think he will ever be a better shot stopper. I didn't say that. But he's better with his feet. He comes in clutch when he's needed to be. How do you judge a goalie? By how they play with their feet or how they good they keep a ball out of the net? I mean, Ederson's pretty good at that, too. Not Petr Cech so. level. You even Again. said yourself, Petr Cech, top two Premier League goalkeepers. So who's number yeah. one? Must be Ederson then, huh? No, it's not. <laughs> there I, you go. Probably, probably Peter Schmeichel, to be honest with you. But. Uh, well, that was fun. You guys will have to let us know how badly we messed this up. Leaving I the don't likes know if we really badly Sergio messed Aguero it up. Or Frank some, Lampard. Uh, definitely some arguable selections here. That's definitely. Sure. Definitely. But we hope you guys enjoyed this episode. It was an amazing weekend in the Premier League. Bournemouth upsetting Newcastle. And game of the season, man. Man City so at far. Stamford Bridge. 4-4. So far. And, of course, we had our Chelsea-Man City all-time combined 11. You guys will have to let us know what's your Chelsea-Man City all-time combined 11 in the comments. Don't forget to check out our Instagram, Facebook. Make sure to check out our Redbubble account. Help us keep doing this because we love it. It's fun. Yeah. Hit that notification bell. Subscribe to the channel. Five stars on all your favorite podcast platforms. And on that note, man, we love you guys. Thank you so much. As always. Cheers. Cheers.